from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. And Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer. Hello, hello. Does Tom this, wear, is, wait, is Tom wearing new glasses? Just, I just need to to point this out. They're they, they're, they're newish. Yes, they have a blue inner rim to them. Yes, they're very chic. I just for, for our listeners out there, Tom looks better than he's ever looked before. Why? Thank you. Thanks. Uh, gorgeous. Um, and I'd like to welcome a very very special guest this week, Jazz Tangay. Senior Artisans Editor of Variety Magazine. We're going up in the world. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for being She's here. She's the youngest senior editor in, on the planet Earth, is what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what we're doing, we're, we count down every week, we count down the top 10 things this past week that made us go, wow. And um, with that auspicious introduction, let's just start with the countdown. Number 10, Tom. Number 10. I know I am the bearer of bad news. I am the rest in peace uh, reporter here at the Wow Report. But, you know, they catch you out of the blue. And Gavin McLeod, famous for many things, but famous for the Mary Tyler Moore show and for Love Boat. Murray. Murray and, and, and Captain, Captain Stubing, Stubing yeah. um, passed away at 90. Um, and you just, you know, in, in, in the show business world, you realize, you know, this guy was a character actor for years and years and years in the 50s and 60s. I remember him because I watched bad TV growing up. He was one of the the minor players on McHale's Navy. Yes. And and, and so I knew his name, but he was always kind of, you know, he's kind of schlubby looking. He's not a leading man. And, and yet uh, I had a crush on him totally, as Marie. I was real. I had, I loved him. And I love Ted Baxter too, but that's a different story. And they say in these obituaries, I've been reading up more about him, but he originally read for the role of Lou Grant, Mary's boss, eventually played by Ed Asner. And it was him. He read the audition. He said, I got my laughs in quotes. And he said, but then I said, do you mind if I meet, read for Murray? And they said, oh, it's a much smaller part. He goes, I don't mind. I think it's my part. And so that he he manifested himself into the role of Murray. The Mary Tyler Moore show was a smash critical and ratings hit for seven years from 1970 to 1977 the so many classic episodes the last episode where they all cry and hug each other and i treasure people um is amazing before that show aired he had landed the role of captain stubing on the love boat so he went wait right from a smash seven-year run on the mary tyler moore show to a not critically acclaimed but massive pop culture show the love boat from, I think for another maybe um, I think it was 11, eleven years. Eleven years. Yeah. So and and that was they were both on Saturday night. Gavin McLeod for eighteen years. Look at me, Lou Math out loud. Uh, was Mister Saturday Night and the Love Boat? I mean, I, I transition. No, we are not going to no disparage the Love Boat here. Because no, the Love Boat was the seminal. I loved the Love Boat more than any other show, more than the Mary Tyler Moore show. I'm just going to say it. There you go. <laughs> but the love boat has been a sort of laughing stock of TV for generations. All of you, jazz. The had Michael <laughs> Merman and Miller, Olivia De Havilland, uh, but, uh, you know, Andy Warhol, Halston, Gloria <laughs> Vanderbilt. I was trying to get to a place where it's like it's due. It's it's getting a, a, a critical acclaim that it's long deserved. But I guess. You know, listen, no. it, on Me TV every Saturday night or every Sunday night, I believe it's six o'clock p.m. I watch it, and we are now in the '83, I think, when the story started to go downhill. But those '70s episodes, nothing touches them. I'm absolutely sorry. They're <laughs> fabulous. My dear, dear departed friends, who were a Mar- Mar- a couple forever, Art Bear and Charlie Calarusso. Art Bear was a writer on the Love Boat for all of those years, and they were magical years for them as a couple because. Charlie was a producer too for the Dinah show, but they, you know, in Love Boat, they would also go on cruises. Yeah. So there'd be That's like how they got everybody. That's how they got Olivia to have one. Yes. And 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 Gavin McLeod, they only said lovely things about, although he may have been um experimenting during that time. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, but um that's all I'm gonna say. Well, and, 
And the last thing I'll say is that they used to, Art and Charlie would be stories like when we were flying back from China with like, uh, um, uh, 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 oh, you know, uh, Alexis Smith. I mean, there's always these incredible stories, these incredible people who were not in their prime. But that's the thing. When you look back and you see the the MGM stars, there's everybody. And also, I swear, everybody at ABC in their contract, if they were yeah. a new star their first year, they had to do a love boat. So Tom Hanks well, they, is a love boat. There was always there was always an old time star. There was always an up and comer, and there was yeah. always an ABC like dynasty and there was, star. And there was always Charo, always Charo, or Florence Henderson, yeah. or Marion, um, the uh, Mrs. C, Mrs. Cunningham. What was her yeah. name? Uh, 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 oh, I can't think of it because I'm under pressure. But yes, Marion Ross. Ross. Marion Ross. Ross. But so I do want to say, hold on, I just want to say that um, uh, one of the most touching things about um, Gavin's death was Ed Asner tweeted, uh, had a really wonderful tweet in which he said, there's now there's just Betty and me left and I will be up up meeting, see, seeing you soon, Gavin. I'm sure Betty and I will be there oh. ASAP. And Ed he, will be. I don't think Betty's leaving anytime soon. <laughs> Anyway, that, that that sort of choked me up a little. And thank bit. you, Gavin, for a, a life, a, 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 a half a lifetime of Saturday nights. Thank you. Can I ask a question though about Love Boat? So you said they went on actual real cruises. Yeah, I think they did a lot in studio on on set, and they also did uh, location shooting. But so, the thing is, is most of the time they went to Puerto Vallarta, which is just a one day cruise back and forth. So they, so everybody got the port of Vallarta, but sometimes you went to Australia, sometimes they went to Japan. Right. I think sometimes they did like a big China episode once when China was opening up. And have they ever tried to bring the love boat back? Yes. Oh. We need, to, we need to do it with drag queens immediately. Well, maybe it's a world of wonder thing. Maybe it's the real love boat. Maybe we oh. do a reality show where we get a I'm bunch sure of has-beens. I'm sure there's going to be a reboot now that you've mentioned it, Fenton. A reboot. Yes. <laughs> das Reboot. <laughs> das Reboot. Okay, let's move on to number nine. What made you go wow this week, Jane? Number nine. Things Heard and Seen, a Netflix horror ghost story drama starring Amanda Seyfried and James Norton, who, if any of you watch PBS or BBC, he was in Grandchester. He was the hot, horny priest in Grandchester, and he's really handsome and really gorgeous. Um, they... Uh, it's 1980 for absolutely no reason at all, except for they wear uh, tights and, and leg warmers at some point. Um, and he's a professor, and he go move, they move to a small, spooky town in upstate New York, as they always do. And they rent a haunted uh, farmhouse that they didn't know is haunted, but the lights flicker and the radio doesn't stop. And there's a strange smell that wafts through. And it's all this, you know, the, the ghost story tropes. And he... Um, is a, is a sort of a bastard and he's having an affair and then she's having an affair with this young hot caretaker who is played by Alex Newstetter and he's my hot boy of the week. Um, and it's, um, it's sort of good and it's sort of horrible and my suggestion is to watch it all the way through until the last 10 minutes, then turn it off and make up your own ending because whatever you decide is going to be better than what they decided. It is one of the Netflix has a tendency to have the worst endings. The, um, I did that. Um, what lies beneath a few weeks ago. Remember with the, the crazed merman and that absolutely makes no sense. Netflix, I think they run out of money near the end and they just say, let's end this. Let's just, let's just drop it. And that's sort of what happens. But um, uh, I think you should watch this for um, Alex Neustetter and James Norton. They're both very hot. And it's a movie, right? It's not a series. Yes. And it's, it is, it goes on a bit too long. um, But uh, if you like sort of atmospheric ghost stories, this is, this will if you were selling this movie on QVC, they'd call it a one and done. It's a one and done. It's a movie. There you go. That's things heard and seen streaming on Netflix. All right, number eight. Number eight. We have to talk about Mayor of Easttown, and that's why I'm so glad Jazz Tange is with us, senior artisan editor of Variety. I'm so glad you're with us, Jazz. Thank you for coming because. I think we all watched the last episode of Mare. Did you watch it, Tom? 
I have not. Oh, okay, okay. okay. It's on my, my, my to do list. We'll try Tom, to avoid spoilers. But Tom's not a statistic then. <laughs> I haven't watched any of them yet. I was planning on doing them all next week. So okay. Well, go ahead. I don't mind spoilers. Go ahead and do Through it. No, you do. I just got to talk to Jazz about the last episode. And the amazing thing is, Jazz, like the day after, did this one on one with Kate Winslet. And it's yes. such an amazing interview. It's on Instagram Live. We'll post the link on the Rao Report. I mean, Jazz, when you heard you were going to be, you interview stars all the time, but was this like a star of star moment? Like, what was what was it like? It was surreal because I think Meravie's Town is like the biggest show in the world right now. And I say the world because everybody across the world is watching this somehow. And just when... Yeah, I mean, when they said, like, you know, can you do an IG Live with Kate Winslet? Kate doesn't have Instagram. She doesn't have any social media. So that was my biggest concern, the tech aspect. Everything else, I'd actually spoken to her last year, so I wasn't nervous about speaking to her. But other people like, are you nervous? It's Kate. Are you nervous? I'm like, no. It felt so um, like just like a chat that you were it, listening in on. There was a lovely like tech mix up at the beginning. And I always love those mistakes because it just makes everybody feel, oh, well, look, we're all in this together. And at one point she froze and disappeared. But oh my God, it was such a lovely she chat. She is Kate Winslet. And she's so, you think, I mean, Titanic and Ammonite. I'm still like reeling over her performance in Ammonite. I love her. Is she Mildred is she Pierce? Mildred Pierce. The Mildred Pierce. She is lovely and she's so chill. I mean, I spoke to her for Ammonite and we were meant to do a Zoom and she had, here's a reveal, she had food poisoning so she didn't go on camera and it was for the podcast anyway. So it was like, that's fine. We'll just sit here on a Sunday, like cameras off and I'm not going to put you through that. Um, but no, she is lovely. I mean, Fenton, you've seen the you've seen the IG and she shows up and she's like, oh, I didn't realize this was on camera. My hair's damp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like a million dollars with that sort of movie star glove but her performance in Matt is so amazing I mean it's I don't know what it is because I'm naturally a grim averse kind of person so when I heard Mayor of Easton I was like I don't know if I can watch this it's really dark and unrelieved uh in terms of that darkness and yet her performance is just this powerhouse Plus, the story is so unpredictable, genuinely unpredictable in a way. It twists and turns. And even though it's a, a sort of whodunit, by episode five of seven, the whodunit bit is kind of wrapped up. So you're thinking at episode five, well, what are they going to do for the next two episodes? But, oh, my God, they stepped up the pussies <laughs> up in ways that are unimaginable. Right, Jazz? It, it was crazy because I, I think I was the same as you. Like we caught up, we'd fallen behind and then we binged. Well, we yeah, we binged it. And then it was like, oh, okay. So this is what's happened. She's rescued who she needs to rescue. And, oh wait, there's two more episodes. So I got the the episode the finale on Wednesday and I had to keep that secret and not spill it there were moments where I came dangerously close and I was like oh wait Jen hasn't seen it yet I can't say anything um but I think as you say like it pivots to this whole idea of a mother would do or what parents would do to protect their kids ultimately yeah. like I think that that's what the biggest storyline became about it wasn't yeah the whodunit it was like the lengths that they would go through. As a single gay man with cats, it sounds like the perfect, perfect, perfect vehicle for me to. Well, do you think that she is a slam dunk for the Emmy? Oh, everything. She's going to win everything. She should win an she Oscar will. for this, really. <laughs> so Give her a Grammy. <laughs> she should get an EGOT. Like, they should mint an EGOT right now and just give it to her. I, I, I think it is notionally a whodunit. But it's really about one of the most unsellable ideas, I think, of all time, which is grief and, and grief and loss. And you yeah. can never sell a show that's about grief and loss. And that's what it's exactly about. And it, oh, my God, it, it really, I am someone who never wants to feel anything, <laughs> so, which is my <laughs> problem for my therapist to deal with. But, but I really loved every the, the sort of misery of this. You could feel the cold of Easter, and you could feel the clothes. 
it was so interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. But that's the same thing as Ammonite, where it's like you just felt the cold and the wet and the damp. And that's what she she always has that damp hair, I guess. That's her new trademark. (laughs) She's cold and damp. But, you know, here's a fun fact. That ending, which kind of which deals with her facing the grief that she's been avoiding for however many years, that almost didn't happen. And she says that on the Instagram that they didn't want to go for two endings. There was one before that with her and Julianne Nicholson. And here's another fun fact. Like it's almost like the reveals that she kept dropping during this 30 minute period was like, so her, so Julianne Nicholson's husband is the godson, godfather to her son. So they knew one another before coming into the show. And I think that helped their dynamic so much. And Julianne Nicholson is phenomenal and should also win all the awards. Absolutely, because at the core of the whole series is this relationship between Mayor, played by Kate Winslet, and her best friend, Julianne Nicholson. And they're both mothers, and they have this intense best friendship that gets tested in ways, again, that you can't imagine. It's, It's... I just don't think I've ever seen anything like it, ever. And as a bonus, you've got Gene Smart in it. Oh, um, wow. You know, because, you, because every now and then there are these brilliant moments of comedy which you think would be ill-fitting, but no, it just works. As you can see, I'm speechless. I have to commend you for, for uh, making me want to watch this more than ever and still mm. no spoilers. Thank you very much. I just want to say that I think that maybe the reason why she's always cold and wet is it's a throwback to Titanic and everybody <laughs> wants to get Kate Winslet cold and wet so they can repeat the success of Titanic. But Tom, you've got Guy Pierce and Evan Peters. That's another reason for you to watch uh, it. I do love Evan Peters, boy. Uh, Guy Pierce, who we haven't seen in some time, or I haven't, I guess, used to be super, super gorgeous in... Um, Memento, to, um, Priscilla, Priscilla, right? He's uh, in Priscilla. Yes, yeah. that's where I first Just saw him. Yeah, very sort of. Um, and um, uh, uh, Vita, um, uh, what did you just say, Tom? Mildred, Mildred Pierce. Pierce. Yes, he was so good with with Kate and Mildred Pierce. But he's still handsome and. Uh, it's just it's so good. Let's take a break I, I, because I'm just gagging on the fabulousness <laughs> of Mayor of Easttown. A, a series I thought I would never love. And, and Jazz, stick around with us because we have many more things that make us go, wow. But first, Blake is going to tease us all with a question. I do have a question. It's another birthday question. Today is her birthday. She began modeling at 14, although she dreamed of becoming a funeral director as a child. She collects knives and is the goddaughter of actress Jacqueline Bissett. Who is she? What? <laughs> We'll have the answer for you on the Wow Report right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and Jazz Tanke, senior artisans editor of Variety. Um, Blake, you had a question for us before the break. Yes, it's a birthday question. Today is this woman's birthday. Uh, she began modeling at 14, although she de- dreamed of becoming a funeral director as a child. She collects knobs, and she is the goddaughter of Jacqueline Bassett. Oh, 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 it's got to be. Who Dan is she? Singer? No. I think it's Dame Twiggy. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, it's Angelina, right? That's what I was saying. Angelina. Angelina. Yeah. It is Angelina Jolie. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Happy birthday, Angelina. Oh, no. my God. Happy birthday, Angelina. Have you seen her in Those That Wish Me Dead? No. no. Do I need to see that? I didn't want to see that. No. Jazz, have you seen it? I started it. That's and- it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Wait, that's, that's for that great. too, Fenton? Do I need to come over to your house and watch the movies? There is the ultimate shade because to say I started it because I'm a completionist and I too started it. But wish we had. All right, let's move on in our countdown. We've reached ten, nine, number seven. Seven. Good for you. Number seven. Um, it's June. It's June is uh, Gay Pride Month, LGBTQIA. Uh, and uh, we lost someone who had a very, very high profile and affected a lot of uh, gay men's lives. And that's Jeffrey Sanker passed away this past week. Um, 
he has been called, let me get this right, um, the uh, Sultan of the Soiree. He's the high priest of gay parties. Um, his name packs a punch for me because, you know, among many other things, he started off in the, in the in, in you know, working his way up in the nightlife scene. I don't know if you, he ever crossed paths with you, James. You guys might have been oh, a few yeah. years. Up, you, you okay? And, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, you know, credited with starting the white party, which, and one, you know, and the circuit party and, and, and the, the extravaganza. And on one level, that's gay heaven for so many people. They live for it. They died for it. They socialize around it. They meet their lovers there. And for a lot of other people with very skinny arms, we, I, I, in large parts of my life, was fearful of it, judged it, um, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was in a little bit of um, hot water because there was a, a circuit party in Mexico last year that didn't really follow p- protocols. But, you know. Didn't really follow. It, it blatantly did not follow the book. Yeah. Everyone was in lockdown and he had a, a giant orgy of uh, a thousand men. Right maskless in a giant pile yes and love him or hate him he had a big impact on uh the community especially for for gay men and it may, may not have you know what, what do you guys think or what, what are your memories or thoughts about jeffrey sanker i just never had the body for a circuit party unfortunately i did go to one once and felt more alienated i wondered well maybe i'm not gay um it just was not you know, no, no Tino shade. It just wasn't for me. I could, you know, and and the bizarre sort of ritualistic way they'd all take off their shirts and sort of gather like bees around the queen at the center with the best body in the middle. It was all just very not me. Right. I had a lot of run-ins with him back when he was at Peter Gation's Limelight and Tunnel, and he would do the he would do lots of those parties that the club kids were not allowed into because we would ruin the vibe of their Muscle Queen party. So I, Jeff, I, I over the years I've gotten I got to know Jeffrey, and he he is he is a very nice guy, and it's very sad that he's gone. But there were I I never got into the parties. No, I'm sorry. And it's, I feel bad that, to bash him. He's 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 died. But yeah. um, I mean, it was it was it was a moment. It was a definite. Moment. And he also did the white party at um, Vizcaya in Miami. He did them around the country and all. I know the one at Vizcaya. I went to that one, and that's beautiful. The setting yeah. in that old castle, you know. So it's funny. You know, you've been around long enough in any community, but especially the LGBTQIA community. And we look back, and there's a lot of things we would do differently today. But he did build something. He did create. Yeah. Uh, something in the world and that 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 carries on today and again which is full of you know there's different kinds of gays so Fenton yeah. I hate to tell you but you are gay you really are gay Fenton you even though you didn't fit in my favorite part of his obituary was he was first listed as 56 years old and then they changed to 65 so <laughs> just to hint to you guys that I think that's the best thing ever but if you really love me if you really love me you'll give my wrong age uh, if and when <laughs> I pass away but, uh, you know, rest in white uh, party perfection, Jeffrey Sanker. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's move on to number six. Number six. Um, I binged The Kaminsky Method over the weekend. Season three came out. And it's, you know, it's it's a really interesting show. I, I enjoy it. So I watch it mostly because my friend Lisa is on it, and she is absolutely spectacular. She plays Alan Arkin's drug-addicted daughter. Lisa Edelstein. Lisa Edelstein, yes. So fantastic. Um, the show is about aging men. It's about getting old in Hollywood. It's Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin are best friends in the twilight of their years. And in this third season, the character of Alan Arkin is dead because in real life, Alan Arkin has passed away. So is a lot of it is uh, Michael Douglas just sort of reflecting on their friendship and reflecting on his own mortality. And um, also on the show, what's so fantastic about it is that they always have these wonderful um, older stars that they bring back. And Margaret is on the show. Jane Seymour is on the show. Kathleen Turner is on the show. And they all Romancing have- the stone. Romancing the stone. Bringing Romance, Michael yes, and Kathleen Turner back together. They're ex-husband and wife. And so they're still sort of battling and they're still sort of like trading quips back and forth. They're so funny together. And it's so great to see them. Haley Joel Osment is a Scientologist on the show and he's sort of a wackadoodle. Um, and they had to sort of reinvent the wheel a little bit. And so they put um, 
Michael Douglas is the executor of Allen's uh, estate, and so he's in charge of uh, Lisa and Haley Joel's um, uh, inheritance. So that's how they get to stay on the show. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, who is it? It's um, uh, Chuck Lorre from Two and a Half Men. And you think, ah, you know, like Two and a Half. But he, he's really mining something sort of special here. And Jazz, what do you think of it? Do you watch the show? I loved it. I actually interviewed Kathleen Turner and for a podcast. And I just loved her entrance. It's like, hello, ex-wife, hello, ex-husband. And it's romancing the stone, War of the Roses, all over again. And her addition this season was just, there was something warm, heartwarming about it, right? Yes, yes. And everybody gets their big moments that they can submit to the Emmys. Everybody has like a big, you know, funny scene or something. It's just, I, I'm really loving it. Have you it. finished it or are you still planning through it? No, no, I finished. I, I, yeah, oh, I got through. Yeah. Okay. Do you think a lot at Musso and Frank's? Yes. Most of it, there's a lot of scenes. That, and this year they always met at Musso and Frank's. And this year he goes by himself because, and has a, a drink set for Alan. It's very sort of touching. Hmm. It's a fun so, watch if you haven't watched it. Number five. But I, the, you know Lisa Edelstein, right, James? Yes, I, we've been friends for thirty-seven plus years. Because well, the bizarre years thing is what we say now, James, over ten years. <laughs> no, last night I, I, where did I see this article about Lisa Edelstein talking about the most embarrassing moment of her life? <laughs> yes, was James uh, St. James's was- name brought up? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, <laughs> it was the Chicago Tribune, I think, maybe. That's right. Yeah. And it was when she was a club kid in a sort of cohort. Because you and Lisa E, as she was then known, yes. were like, you were the, the it twins of the scene in a way. You were, you were. Yes. And Lisa's reflecting on the most embarrassing moment of her life, which was when... Um, oh, Maureen or Maureen, uh, was it Orth? Maureen Dowd. Maureen Dowd. Wrote a follow piece about her, followed her around for a day or a week or whatever, and wrote a big feature about Lisa E., as a celebutante on the scene. And it was thought, actually, it was Maureen's first big gig. It was, she was for the New York times and it was, there was the New York times magazine did something called um, the New York, the bounciest city in the world. And Lisa was the bounciest girl in Manhattan. And um, so it really um, did a number on Lisa because uh, it was a, it was too much too soon and she didn't have any anything behind her really she hadn't started really doing acting roles um and so that sort of screwed with her mind a little bit that she was famous for just being famous and she started getting all these stalkers and she at one point she had like these men waiting outside of her apartment for her and people calling up and just like masturbating on the phone and it just if for a young girl it was a lot and so she talks about this in the article, how it just... It, Can she, I point it, out, if that stuff happened to you, you'd be okay with it, right? Well, that was just it. She At the time, she was trying to tell me all this, and I was like, oh, fabulous, darling. <laughs> and not realizing that it was an actual... It was actually traumatic for her. Yes. And well, um, she but, talked about how that, that was very much a catalyst for her to... She started doing um, a one-woman show at La Mama, and it was... Uh, she wrote... Um, it was called AIDS. It was it was an AIDS, it was the first AIDS drama on the New York stage, wow. and she played uh, a number of different characters. She wrote it and she started it, and that was the first time that she started getting you know serious attention, and that propelled her to Hollywood in her career ever since. And of course, the paradox is that that show came out of was sort of trick not triggered came out of this art uh, this article about it in the New York Times enabled that opportunity right yeah and, yeah um, I mean, it, it was it was a push me pull me it was a very right. sad she's but she quotes you i want to read this little bit from the article james st james my best friend had a theory that if you can break out of obscurity for any reason at all if you follow it up by showing you have talent then you can sort of sidestep into the career of your dreams and the funny thing is he was absolutely right so it's a nice it's it's a nice tribute to you james and it, although it was a bittersweet moment in her life the the irony is it what was the greatest setback was also the greatest leap forward. So yeah. I, I just thought it was a really great article. And I thought it was really brave of Lisa actually to reveal all this because I had many embarrassing moments that I never can reveal. <laughs> but I, I thought it took real guts and, and it was just very moving 
maybe I'm just in a sort of post-mare mode. Um, <laughs> these, these sort of hard truths and the bitter lessons that they convey. I was like, oh. Well, that, that's always the interesting thing about Lisa to me is that she manages to never live in the past, that she's always completely doing something new now, but she doesn't deny all the stuff that happened before because there's so many people who were club kids who will never admit to it now. <laughs> and what an amazing career she has and has had. You know? Absolutely. Long yeah. live Lisa All right, let's take a break. Um <laughs> Uh, Blake, do you have a question for us? I do have a question. Um, it's Pride Month, and you guys may already know this, but I think it deserves mentioning anyways. Which three presidents have officially acknowledged Pride Month? All okay. right, we'll have the answer for you right after the break here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to our report. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and our special guest, Jazz Tanke, Senior Artisan Editor of Variety. Blake, you had a question for us? Yes, yes. It's Pride Month, and I asked, which three U.S. presidents have officially acknowledged Pride Month? Let's give it to Jazz. What do you think, Jazz? I'll go for Biden, because I know Biden has posted on that check definitely definitely not the last one who shall not be named uh obama check and clinton yes oh really wow. yeah, cause i would have i would have said that maybe bush senior bush jr but he never did what a nope. piece of shit horrible <laughs> republicans damn those republicans <laughs> All right, let's move on with our countdown of things that made us go wow this week. Number four, Tom. Number four. Jazz, you need to jump in this one. Uh, we are always talking about hacks, so we're doing a hacks update. I saw, as we all did, I think, and James might be holding off on this one, but saw the first two episodes, fell in love, gay heaven, jumping from the rooftops. It was, you know, it was everything, everything ever good about gay, gay being gay. It was, it was... Um, it was the comeback. It was Joan Rivers. It was Sex in the City. It was oral sex. It was everything we like about being gay. Liberace. And then, yes. And then I saw, and, you know, HBO Max, they dropped two episodes a week. And then I saw episodes three and four and hated it. Thought nothing worked. Thought it was awful. If they had shown these, I would not be into it. But because I'm dedicated to the, the investigative reporting of the media that we do here at The Wow Report, I watched five and six and it's really, really good again. So I don't know what, what's what, what you, you are much more, uh, uh, you see many more things than we do. What's your take on hacks? I love it. I think I text Fenton yesterday saying, if you watch this, if you watch the of East town, you've got to watch this. This is like the Jean smart resurgence. And she started off in Watchmen last year. I don't know, whatever. I've lost all concept of time. Then we've got Mare, and then we've got hacks and it is the greatest comedy there's also a sadness in it and can i just say how much i love her soda machine like who has a soda machine in their kitchen like she, like like she's like you're at mcdonald's or the movie she has that kind of like <laughs> uh, yeah. um but it's such a great show and I, I i think jen and i were watching it was talking about like who did the writers speak to to get so much of this spot on like there was the joke about the busy Phillips watching thousands of her Instagram stories and then finally getting like something useful from it. Um, but yeah, it is superb. I haven't, and this is the one thing I did with Mare too. I, we get screeners and I haven't watched the following episodes because I just like absorbing it with everybody so what, else. So what have you seen? So, so you're up to six now. Six. Yeah. Yes. And the, first, the middle two weren't that good, and it's just and and the writers pulled it together. It's just it's it's so great because it's about two different generations, but it, it you have to keep coming up with reasons for them to sort of come together and cross paths. And, and listen, it's really hard. It's really well written, and I'm I'm you know to, to pick on the incredibly talented people that put this together is just my luxury as a as a, as, a, as a you know someone with the microphone in front of his face. But uh, I think they really found uh, the rhythm again, and you know. I'm I'm in I'm in for the long run. I hope it continues to be as fabulous. What's the name of the young actress who plays the Gen X girl? 
somebody's put this by. I have to learn her name because she's really good too. And and Jean gets all the attention as well as she should. But I, you know, it's a great cast. And James, there was um, relatively hot gay sex, unexpected gay sex that happened uh, between two characters. That was kind well, of you out pulled of me room. in. I, I, Jean's <laughs> yes, I, knew, I knew I had to get you. I know you have and a lot to machine. watch. Move that yeah. to the top of the list. I, I mean, my favorite moment still is her changing the cylinder of her soda machine, like yanking out the drawer, pulling out the cylinder and changing it. It's such a great series. And it's just, it's all about Jean Smart, I guess. Like whatever she does is amazing. But I think her co-star is also truly incredible. Um, We're being um, Hannah Einbinder. Hannah Einbinder. Like yeah. just put it up. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong because that's what I do for a living. But uh, Hannah Einbinder plays is is here her co star and what a great great show Hacks it's back Hacks is backs. I also love the fact they showed two episodes back to back. I think that's the new thing. Perfect. Two half hours back to back. It's that's like just enough, just yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. So you get a little bit of a binge, but not not a bulimic sense of binging. Just, <laughs> just the right, just that right sense of pull. Yes. Let's move on to number three, James. Number three. I went to the theater this weekend and I said I wasn't going to go to a theater until the fall. I went to a restaurant, remember, a couple weeks ago. I went to a party a couple weeks ago. Things I've said that I wasn't going to do. I still can't go to a club and I still can't go to a concert, but I think I'm back in the theater again. I went to go see Cruella and you talked about it last week, Fenton, but I just, it was so good. I was so happy. The every moment the outfits, the costuming, the, the I, have you seen it, Jazz? Have you, have you seen I've it? I've seen it. Stunning. Okay. The the garbage truck co- uh, dress that which she's it's floating off in the air as she's taking off on the garbage truck. So fantastic. The soundtrack is so good. It goes from the fifties to the late seventies. It just every song blows your mind. She's fantastic. It's her best role since Easy A, easily. Um, and I also thought that um, the guy who played Jasper, what was his name? Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you mean the shopkeeper? Um, no, Joel Fry, the, the um, African-American, the, the, the black guy. Um, really, really cute. Her best friend. It was the fat guy and him. He was really cute. And then there was um, the tall, bald guy, too. Mark Strong, I think, is his name. And he was really handsome to me, too. So that, led, that, that got me going. Um, also, uh, I, we were just talking beforehand, and I was saying that I think I'm going to go see In the Heights in the theater. I think I might do West Side Story. I might do Tick, Tick, Boom. Have you seen any of these, Jazz? Have you seen Tick, Tick, Boom yet? I, I, they're still making Tick, Tick, Boom as they we are. speak. Okay. That's being made up in Toronto. and But I've seen In the Heights. Yeah. I moderated a Q&A last night for the first is it time. Fantastic? Is, it a, is it a jump out of your seat? It is, it's the kind of, I, I mean, you, you applaud after every number. It is so good. It's so joyful. And if you're going to go back to the movie theaters, it's either for Cruella, A Quiet Place 2, which I did, yeah. had so much anxiety, yeah. but did it, uh, or In the Heights. You've got three films worth going back to the movies for. Well, I, I also think later in the year, I'm going to do Dune. I definitely want to see Dune on a big screen. And I will probably do West Side Story as well. So the death of movies has been highly exaggerated, right? Well, but there is no movie theater in Hollywood anymore. I had to go down by the Staples Center. I, that's, I, that's where I went. I went to the Regal. But the good the thing Regal, is, yeah. the good thing is there's only there's two good movies to see. And right now you can see them like in every 30 minutes. Yeah, and there's only like only four two. people in the theater and it's a huge yeah. theater. Yeah. <clears throat> but very strange that, that there's no place to see a movie in Hollywood anymore. Maybe somebody would buy the art play. Hopefully. Nobody's done that Come yet. On, get to it. Yes. Fenton, will you buy it? <laughs> I I mean, it's I was just reading something about how the shares have been sort of taken over by the the hackers who like jack up the prices of the shares. It's some sort of um what was that share thing a few weeks ago where um Are we talking about share the singer or are we talking yeah, about the It's been going for a bit of a, a sort of um a Bitcoin ride. The shares have been going up and down in a crazy way. GameStop. Thank you, Blake. Yes, GameStop. The shares have been taken for a heist. Um but we were talking about Corella, and I just say Corella is uh, in theaters and on Disney Plus now. By the way, I think Corella, I think. I read this article, you know, um, I thought, James, you were talking about John McRae, who plays the shopkeeper. 
Oh, I read this yeah, oh the, 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 the LGBTQ non-binary yeah. person. And there was this article saying, oh, you know, Disney's fucked it up again about having a gay character in a movie. And I was like, hang on a second. The entire movie, Cruella, screams gay at every turn. And so why are you focus in on this relatively minor character? But, you know, Disney has a tendency to do that. Um, they, they will have these, they, they will tout, we have a gay character, we have a gay character, but it's a minor part that can be taken out for the Chinese, uh, you know, the, uh, for the Chinese. The yes, but it, meanwhile, but, but the Trojan horse uh, yeah. of the entire movie, I mean, I haven't seen... He doesn't get anything, he doesn't get a gay line, he doesn't get, there's nothing to show that he's gay except for the fact that he wears eyeliner and a, and a pussy bow. <laughs> I mean, really, that's all we know, that's the only reason he's non-binary, but there, there's no, he doesn't get any character development, and it's sort of like a, a sort of a, I, I think it's a fuck you, I think it's like, you, they're, they're straddling both sides, they aren't giving him anything gay, but yet they can say to a gay audience, to, but James, my point is, you you've got this character in a movie that is all gay. It's like talking. You're, you're, it's like talk, it's like picking on the characters on top of the wedding cake, missing the entire wedding cake that you're no, in. This no, I world. don't think I am. I don't think I am. I agree with you that it's it's a very camp movie, but mm-hmm. I think that that Disney plays it out, out of both sides of their ass. I, I just I don't I don't agree with that. I have one last final question. Was did you approve of the pussy bow? James. No, I think pussy bows are very 2019. Okay. I'm very it's sorry. Nice. I, I, anyone who wears a pussy bow is just is just very very shushy to me. Well, anyway, I love Cruella and I love <laughs> everything about it. And John McRae is great in it, even though his part is too small. And according to James, he's unfortunately not doing any sort of topping or bottoming or something <laughs> explicitly gay. So the whole movie is not gay and should be roundly condemned by everyone during the Pride Month. Um, All right, let's move on at number two. Number two. Eurovision. It was only a couple of weeks ago. Jazz, did you see Eurovision? I did not. I missed it, but I've heard all about it. Yeah. And I have come to... We did get a point. Hmm? As in we, as in England, the United Kingdom got no points, right? Did we really? Oh, my gosh. I heard that. I could be wrong, but... You know, there has been talk about the Frock Destroyers going into Eurovision from Drag Race UK, and I think that would be amazing. I've come to appreciate Eurovision in the sense that for years it was this sort of unfashionable camp thing, but the last couple of years, it's an amazing window into what's going on in Eastern Europe. It's not Eurocentric in Italy, France, and all that boring old whatnot. But what's going on in Latvia, Bulgaria, Croatia, uh, Moldova? I mean, they're just Romania. They are fantastic. These acts seem to step out of a kind of time capsule. And I just think in a sort of world of, you know, muck pop homogenization, to really see these extraordinary acts. I sent James the other week, and we'll post a clip on the WOW Report, um, a clip of Eurovision 2020 of the Russian entry. And it is beyond description. You just cannot. James, will you try and describe it? Well, I honestly thought, I mentioned, I honestly, in my heart of hearts, believe that it's Dimitri, Daddy O, Lady Miss Keir, and Toa Toa. I honestly think that they've defected to Russia and they are being put up by the Kremlin to be in Eurovision. Tell me that wasn't delight. It was not delight. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> And but it's because there's something so uh, Kmart or naff about it. Like I can't put my finger on it. But it's just every kind of wrong that adds up to something unique, spectacular, and different. That's what I'm loving about Eurovision at the moment. And it's what of- was the the Italians one, right? And then there was some yeah. big cocaine scandal. What was that? Um, the Italians one with the song called Zitti e Buoni, <laughs> and I think the singer was caught. Um, ducking his head beneath the table. Um, While he was performing? No, in the sort of dinners thing afterwards. And I can't remember if he was supposed to be giving a blowjob or snorting cocaine, but I think he said he got sick or something. Whatever it is, it's, it's a... It's a- 
Someone, <laughs> Tom is jumping behind the table. Someone br- had broken glass, is what he said, and, right. and then people said that he had was doing cocaine. But then he said he would do a drug test, and I think he did, and it came out negative. So, yeah. okay. okay. This was a this was the 65th Eurovision Song Contest. 39 countries take part. And I think with 183 million viewers, it's the world's biggest live music event. Well, now, has anybody ever come out of there and had a, like a number one worldwide hit song? ABBA. Many. Oh, ABBA. Wow. Waterloo. Da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. I mean, my God. Oh, walking on Sunshine. Celine, says, like, Celine Dion was on Eurovision like okay. way back when. Um, Wait, she was, she was Canada? No, I no. think she represented... I forget which country she represented, but she did represent a country on Eurovision. Huh. Huh. I really recommend the Ukraine entry from 2021, and we'll post a link to it. It's called Shum, and the lyrics go something like, Shum get twined with periwinkles, sowing hemp plants. It's a kind of (laughs) electro-folk thing. At the Ukraine, they're fabulous. It feels like those denim jackets you'd buy in Melrose in the 80s that just had random words on them kind of thing. (laughs) Bad translations. (laughs) There you go. Celine represented Switzerland in 1988. Really? Interesting. Fun fact. So they gave us Celine and ABBA. And Celine didn't have any hits before 89, did she? That was like her first, that was her breakout year. Foster discovered her, I think, for the States. Huh. All right, let's take our final break. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and our super duper special guest. Thank you for your patience. Jazz Tange, media artisan editor of Variety. Um... Yeah, what is number one this week, Ben? Number one. I wanted to bitch a little more about the gays. <laughs> oh, no. Um, this, you know, all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over Facebook, everyone is bitching about the Target um, Pride line that they came out with. Um, and uh, there's specifically, there's a suit that's a that's a rainbow suit with short sleeves and short shorts, and everybody is um, being very nasty about it. Um, it's it's sort of cute. I mean, I don't know that I would actually wear it, but it, I'm. What do you think? What do you think about corporations taking over Pride? And that's a topic we've probably discussed before. But what do you think? I'm of two minds because part of me, because we live in the gay bubble, because we're so, you know, surrounded by it and comfortable in our world and what we do. Thank God. What a, what a privilege. What a blessing. Um, you think like, you know, you're not you're tone deaf. You're not getting it right, corporations. Um, and I have to say, for a show that I might work on every now and then we get these integrations where it's like, that's a straight person telling us to do pro, you know, like they don't quite get it. But I also think and and things can cut both ways. But if you're like a gay little kid, maybe not out, maybe questioning, walking through the aisles of Target like you do every week with your family, and you see a pride display, does that give you, I don't know, does that give you some hope? Does that make you feel like you're not alone in this world? Does that make, or does it, you know, or is it something you fear? I don't know. I, I found my gayness in the underwear aisle of, of, of Jordan Marsh. You know, that, the, no, that, oh, yeah, with the bulge yes, and the, but, yeah. yeah. But, but, but I don't know. That's, and, and and it's the same thing with Black History Month. I'm sorry. It's like, it's every month. But do you want to erase Black History Month? I don't know. I think, I, I don't know. I'm two of mine, two minds. I think your erotic longing for underwear is slightly different, though, because, you know, <laughs> if the underwear had like a pride flag on it, you might think twice about it. I, I love the pride flag, but I just, it's just ugly. That's the, that's the, and there's nothing ugly about gay pride, but this suit that Target have turned out. Is kind of ugly. But it's but hard to put those colors together in fashion. But, you know, to Tom's <laughs> point, I wonder if when I was in middle school, if a bunch of other kids were wearing pride flags and pride T-shirts and the teacher was wearing a pride. I wonder, I think that that might have made me feel uh, better in, in 
more at home. I don't know, Jazz, I, you, you looked like you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to say, wasn't some of the Target backlash, not just for their collection, but the way they had displayed it? Like they had like a mother, a, a mother, a father, a kid, and like the kids. <laughs> oh, like, like a heteronormative mannequin. <laughs> But you you are maybe incorrectly gendering the mannequins. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got into a Facebook thing with a friend because I was singing the praises of the Lego set and saying oh, how right. great it was that the Lego set, none of the figures in the Lego set, each one is a different color of the flag, and they're non-gendered. And they got into this fight about Lego trying to erase gender and the only one that's gendered is a drag queen. And I was like, this is too much. This is too much. Like, well, I've never looked at a Lego figurine and thought it identi- identifies gender one way or the other. But that is not to say that gender does not exist. It's just, it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a, it's a, a morass of overthinking. Well, right? but, you know, there is a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to pride and a lot of people feel like it, it is, you know, their way, their way or the highway. And um, I think it's nice to keep the conversation going always, yeah. you know, and, you know, whether you agree or disagree, we're still all in the same. I think by the end of pride month, James, you should buy this suit and zhuzh it up <laughs> a la Cruella. And we'll, uh, get your own deal next year I'll, at Target. As, as Bruce says, you better you better sequin it up or whatever. The last thing I'll say is that Michelle Visage started posting different flags, you know, because there's a lesbian flag. There's, you know, the LGBTQIA. And she missed one. She And she got very upset. But um, and people were making fun of her, not Fenton. Oops. And so it's just the idea that, you know, God loves all flags, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> all here. right. Thank you but much. three, six, nine, twelve, four. She posted 15 different flags. I was like, <laughs> missed, she still missed one? What? She still missed one after 15? There's more than 15? I think by the time she got to 15, <laughs> she had she had, cir- oh, she okay. had she had circled the block. She's done it. My favorite, wait, is the bisexual, was the lesbian... There's, there's the, the trans, trans, there's, there's a, a black gay, there's the abrosexual. That's my favorite. I don't know what it means, but it's a beautiful flag. Gorgeous color. Abro? Abrosexual, yeah. Like bros? Like a bunch of bros having uh, sex? Let me see. Let me see. The definition is, <laughs> it, it's, it's sexuality, but it's changing or fluid. Uh, like go. abracadabra. Right. Um, hey, I'm going to wrap it up. But before I go, I just wanted to say that RuPaul's Drag Race... All Stars 6 is coming soon, and you can meet the queens right now on the WOW Report. Meanwhile, on WOW Presents Plus, you can watch Drag Race Espana. It has launched. Um, and speaking of Michelle, congratulations to her. We uh, Drag Race won five nominations for the Critics' Choice Real TV Awards, including Michelle Visage, who is up against Dr. Pimple Popper. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So may the best woman win. Let's just say that Michelle squeezed out the win in that one. <laughs> I think that's why Michelle's posting all these flags, hoping to win an extra vote or two. Uh, <laughs> and well, no, she's thank nominated. You. She didn't win. She's nominated. Right, right. That right. Is, okay. that, that's Let's a, hope that's she squeezes out the win. Sorry, just put that in the right, right yeah, context. Absolutely. Thank you for that correction. Look, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jazz. Thank, thank you. you, Tom. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.